Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Y'all ready to hear a word? Oh, I'm ready to preach one, man. I, I wrote this one early in the week. And I was excited to get it out, so now I finally get the time to do it. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Nehemiah. Say, I don't know where Nehemiah is. It is in the Old Testament. If you've reached Ezra, you have not gone far enough. If you have reached Esther, you have gone too far. It is literally between Ezra and Esther, okay? And it's in your Old um, Testament. So Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 16 to 18 are going to start us off today. If you don't know, uh, how many you say this is your first time here? We're not going to make you stand up. Just raise your hand. Let me see. First time, first time, first time. Okay. Man, that's awesome. So glad that you are here. Thank you for being here um, today. If it's your first time, we've been in a book study for the last, this is the fourth week now in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an awesome book. And before I get going any, any further, I'm, I'm excited because we got a few special guests in the house. I know they're going to kill me for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and this, this is like, I love when like our online audience, when, when we know that they're actually real. Because like, you know, you know people are watching, but like you don't, you know, you see a little, like a little circle with their picture in it. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I wonder how they are in real life, you know? Man, today I'm so excited. I'm like, I can't contain myself. We got some of our cool family. I told you, we are, we are endeavoring to build a cool world. We got some of our cool family here all the way from Rhode Island, y'all. <laughs> See, y'all, y'all think I be playing when I be saying people be watching from all over the place. We have Greg and Osmary here today from Rhode Could y'all just stand up, please? Just, I know they're like, oh, Lord, I'm going to kill this man. And y'all core, I like how y'all coordinate. I like that. They family, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all can sit down, man. They, they, they are here. Um, they've been, they've been rocking with us for a while. Found the church um, during the pandemic when we were only online, and it's really awesome because you guys are just a testament to the fact that um, the mission that we're endeavoring to build is true. We're trying to build strong families and build strong futures, and you'll get to see their testimony uh, in a few weeks, and they'll literally tell you how, even at a distance from online, this house really helped build and encourage their family in the love of the Lord. Amen? So it doesn't matter where you are. When you want to get connected, when you want to be a part of something, guess what? You're going to make sure you're a part of it. Amen? So can we give it up for our family, man? Thank y'all. I love y'all. Everybody that comes, it's like, I'm going to mess up the cool world because when you come in person, I just want you to stay. It's like, no cool world. Everybody come here. But I know you got to go back to where, you know, you're from. They, 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 can't, they can't leave their babies back, okay? They got to go back to the babies, so. But they could come too. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. I love having family in the house from everywhere. No matter where you are, all over the world, we love you, family. We love you. We love you. We love you. Nehemiah. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, reads something like this. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. 
The officers posted them behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials, listen to this, I love this, did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. That's powerful. And each of the builders, I love this, wore his sword on his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And the church said, amen. If you are taking notes on this message, the Bible says in Jedediah 57.5 that those that taketh notes shall get to, to heaveneth. If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. Read your Bible. Um, no, that doesn't say that. But um, taking notes may not help you in this moment. But the goal is for it to point you back to a place in God's word that will reveal who Jesus is to you when you need him the most. Amen? So take notes. It'll help you. If you want to give this message a title, I've entitled it this. Defend the building. Defend the building. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad that God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that would be in this building, that would be watching online from wherever they are in the world. And it's no surprise to you that they are connected to this space in this very moment of history. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. Jesus Christ, reveal yourself to somebody that does not know you and reintroduce yourself to somebody that's been far from you. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most. May they have a relationship with your son Jesus by the time it's all said and done. In Jesus' name. And everybody set. Everybody set. Take about five seconds. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. Amen. So, anytime, I found that anytime you're trying to build something, and maybe it's just me, but anytime I've ever tried to build something, there's always opposition. Anybody ever faced opposition when you're trying to build something? It's like the story of my life. Like, I'm trying to do something good. I'm trying to build something new. But it doesn't matter what I do. There's always something that wants to come against it. As believers, God calls us to defend the building. And when I say the building, I'm not, I'm not talking about the physical church building. When I say the building, I'm talking about each other. We got to defend one another. The Bible calls us living stones. I got to defend my brother and my sister. I got to defend my purpose and my destiny. I have to defend the God plans that he's put in my life because people will try to tell you who you are and what you are supposed to do. But how many of you know that they don't have a say in what you are supposed to do and who you are? God has the final say. And because God has the final say, I have to defend what he has put in my heart. The thing about a God plan is it sounds different from a good plan. God plans scare people. God plans make people laugh at you. God plans make people think something is wrong with you. So you got to be very careful with who you reveal your God plans to. 
Sometimes, though, even with a God plan, you can reveal it to somebody that's close to you. But the thing about God plans is God plans reveal people's intentions that are the closest to you. See how that close friend or that close family member treats you when you tell them what God has really put in your heart. That's the thing about God plans, man. They, they reveal things about people. You, you can't hold a lie before God. Like, the thing about God and the Holy Spirit, especially if the Holy Spirit is working in you, it's going to reveal things about people to you. So you got to defend whatever it is you are building. We've been in this series now. This is, this is the fourth week. The first week, um, we talked about praying to build. Why do we pray to build? After the 70-year um, exile to Babylon of the Jewish people, God exiled them because they were disobedient. But finally, in the year of, of, of King Cyprus of Persia, the people are released to go back to their homeland. They're released to go back um, to, to Jerusalem. And when they are released to go back, Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king at the time, He's still living in Persia, and he says, he says to his brothers that have come, come back from a trip to Jerusalem, he says, how's the city doing? I know that the people are back there. How's it going? And they say, man, the walls are torn down. The, the temple's desecrated. People are living in poverty. We have no safety, no security. This breaks Nehemiah's heart so bad that he literally gets down on his knees. He weeps and fasts to the Lord because he is so burdened by the fact that everything that God wanted to build in this city was destroyed. How many of you know when God wants to give you a God plan, he's going to give you a burden that nobody else has? So Nehemiah had this burden and he prayed. The first thing he did before he decided to rebuild this wall, he prayed to God. God, help, help me. He didn't say, God, send somebody to build a wall. He prayed, God, send me. You see, when you really have a heart for something, you realize that God wants you to be the answer to the thing you have the heart for. People say, what's my purpose? I say, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? When I see a lost and dying generation, that breaks my heart. When I see what's happening in these schools, it breaks my heart. Why do you think we're here right now? So I, I, I often go to the places that my heart is broken for. Jesus did this. Before he was crucified on the cross, the Bible says that he stood and wept over the city. Because he knew what he would have to do to fulfill his purpose, to save mankind. So... Nehemiah prays first, so we prayed to Bill, but then he prays to have energy and courage to go tell the king, hey, king, this is what I want to do. I feel like this is what God's put on my heart. And he's telling a foreign king he wants to go back and build his home city. Well, he could have literally been killed for this, so he prayed for courage to do it. And when the king heard Nehemiah's desire, the king gets excited and actually sends Nehemiah back with resources to go and rebuild the wall. I love this because Nehemiah then goes to inspect the wall, and when he inspects it, he creates a plan. When he creates this plan, he gets other people to pledge to build with him, but his haters want to come up and say, oh, we're going to tell the king that you got this plan to rebuild. He's like, I ain't worrying about y'all. I already got the approval. I've passed the inspection of the king, but even if the king didn't approve me, I'm already approved by the king of kings, so I really don't care what y'all got to say. 
But, but I love God because he gets the approval of the king and he has the approval of God, which means when God wants you to do something, he's going to make sure that everything is approved in heaven and on earth. God don't do stuff halfway. It's going to make sure it's being done the right way. We have passed inspection in Jesus' name. And then last week, we talked about the fact that you have to develop a rhythm to build. There were all of these gates that had to be rebuilt around the wall. We, we talked about them. The sheep gate, the fish gate, the, the dung gate, the old gate. I can go on and on and on. The inspection gate, the horse gate, about all the different gates. And every person or every group of people were responsible for building a gate. But once they built a gate, they had to rebuild the sections of the wall around the gate until they met up with the next crew that was building. So their sections of the walls connected. But as they were building their sections, I love it. If you go back and read Nehemiah chapter 3, you'll, you'll start to see a, a lot of repetitive text. It says that they put the, 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 the doors, the bolts, and the bars in place. The doors, the bolts, and the bars in place. The doors, the bolts, and the bars in place. They were developing a rhythm to build. How many of you know when you're building something, you need to come up with proper systems to build it? You got to have a rhythm to building. I love this heart for the house season because we're trying to build something. We're trying to build something for the next generation. And I told you at the beginning of the season, now if this is your first time at this church or you're new to this church, you've been coming for a few weeks and you're like, man, I don't even want to take a part in that heart for the house pledge thing. Listen, that's okay. It is okay. All we are doing is our once a year over and above offering that we do every year. It's only one other time in the year that we ask you to give over and above. Your tithe, that's out of obedience. I give 10% to God because he told me to, not because I'm generous. That's not generosity. That's obedience. God says, I give you 100. You give me back 10. You live on 90. I'll make sure you always have more than what you need. So much so, he says, test me in this. I've been doing that for a very long time in my life. And let me tell you something. I'm always eating. I got a roof over my head and my family is taken care of. Amen. <laughs> what we're talking about with this over and above, this is an over and above offering. See, when you start to do offering, that is sacrificial giving. And the Bible says that there's a 30, 60, 100 fold return on that. I don't know about you, but I was always one of them students that did not just do what was required. I like doing extra credit. And that's really what this is. It's like saying, okay, I, I, I like how 30, 60, and 100-fold return sounds in my life. What do I have to do to activate that? Give sacrificially. So we give once a year sacrificially. And people have been making pledges. This is now the fourth week. And as of right now, about 40% of our church has pledged to give in this offering. And we're trying to hit a number of $300,000 to do the work of God in 2023 at Cool Church. And the church said, large portion of it is going to go to the cool world. We're going to keep on expanding because we got folks in Rhode Island. We got folks in Zimbabwe. We got folks in Paris. We got folks in Montreal, Canada. We literally have folks all over the world that are watching this experience, but we want to make the experience better. So we need equipment to do that. The second part of this, this, this pledge, or uh, we were trying um, to start the Cool Cares 501c3 nonprofit. Cool Church is already a 501c3, but in order to partner with certain organizations, everybody Everybody does not want to partner with a church. 
So by having cool cares as a front runner in its own 501c3, we can develop partnerships that would not have necessarily partnered with a church. And we're going to build cool hubs in schools. We already have partners lined up saying that if you can create these spaces in schools, which we have connections to, where kids could get free shoes, they could get groceries if their parents need it, where they can get uniforms. If you can build out the spaces, we will stock the spaces for you. Already got people waiting, because that's what happens. People love when you have a plan. Got people waiting to give us, give, give the community resources, because we have a plan to distribute them properly. So we need Cool Cares 501c3 to do that. And the last part, $125,000 of that $300,000 is going to our next-gen ministries. Man, I still believe the children are the future. So they're going to get the most of everything that we're doing because we're trying to build a legacy. How many of y'all got kids in Cool Church right now? Raise your hand, you got kids, you a parent out there. Don't you want better for your kids than what you had? That place is going to look like Disney World by the time we're done with it. Because I want, I want our kids to have a better experience than us because I don't, want to wait, I don't want them to wait till they get older to understand who Jesus is. I want them to know now. I want Cool Church to be so fun, they get mad at you when you pull them out. I want our kids to be excited about being here. But the other big part of that is that we want to hire uh, people that are trained to work with children and parents of special needs. There's so many kids, and Joanne and I have investigated, we've gone in, there's kids with special needs in there, some of which parents acknowledge and some don't. And that's a real thing that's happening in the community right now. And we wanna make sure that those kids ain't getting babysitted, no. We want to teach those kids because we want them to actively learn. We want to suit the learning style that they need. We wanna make sure that learning style is better suited to them and their needs. So we want to hire professionals to help them, but we also want to have those same professionals educate the parents on how to raise children of special needs better, how to identify. Some of us don't even know how to identify it. But I'm so concerned about the next generation. If our mission is to build strong families and build strong futures, I don't want families to get left behind because nobody cared enough to deal with their specific issue. We're going to develop all families and build. I want, I want future doctors, lawyers, politicians, athletes, architects, movie stars, movie directors, counselors, educators, principals. I want, I want this house to develop those types of people. I don't just want those people to come to this house. I want this house to be the place where those people grow. And we can't do it if we don't empower the next generation. So on November 13th, on that Sunday, we're all going to bring our very best over and above. Some of us have pledged, some of us have not. If you have not pledged, you can still go out to the lobby and you can grab a pledge card. Please fill out both sides so we know who is actually pledging. And then take the number that you write on here, whatever number, you could write $10, you could write $10,000, you could write $10 million. Listen, you have not because you asked not. You can write whatever you want on this card that God has placed in your heart. Let it be something that challenges you. And then you leave that card on the pledge table and then you write the number on this stone. Why? I want you to remember this is you. You are a living stone that is building the house of the Lord. Amen? And I want this to be a reminder to you of what you have pledged. And on November 13th, 
you will bring that in. You say, man, why you been saying this for the last three Sundays? Because Barna Group did a study years ago, and it's still relevant today, that most people attend church one out of every three Sundays. So odds are, I haven't seen you in three weeks. So I want to make sure that the announcement gets out there. But once again, if this is not your church home and you're like, man, I don't even want to be a part of it. I just want to message by Jesus. That's coming. You're about to get that right now. And if you made a pledge, ain't nobody hunting you down for this pledge in Jesus' name. Amen? I ain't like, ooh, he said he pledged that. I'm coming for him. No, that's between you and Jesus. Amen? So we pledged in this season because God has called us to build. If you got a plan for building, though, you can be very certain that if you have a plan to build, don't you think the enemy has a plan to stop you from building? I am certain because I have stepped out on the water now and I'm looking at Jesus. I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm just following the plan that you have for me. Well, you will be crazy to believe that the enemy doesn't have a plan for you too. John 10, 10 tells us clearly, these are actually the words of Jesus. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sound like a plan to me. Steal, kill, and destroy. I love this because you can't end that verse there. You got to say what Jesus said, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Jesus wants you to live life to the full abundance. What is abundance? More than what you need to do what God has called you to do. God doesn't want you to just have enough. He does not want you to just survive. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to live in success like Nehemiah prayed for. Amen? I'm believing that this is going to be the greatest season that we ever live in. I'm done with surviving. I survived 2020. I survived 2021. I survived the beginning of 2022. But I'm going to have success before this year is all over and done with. If you believe it, say amen. I want to be successful. Survival's not enough anymore for me. But when you talk like that, be on high alert. Be on alert, family, because the enemy has a plan to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you from doing what God has called you to do. Understand that there are many different enemies to building, and you, you, you have to begin to think, if, if there's an enemy to building, how is the enemy trying to stop me from fulfilling my pledge to build? Some of y'all made a pledge and you already struggling like, how am I going to get this pledge done? That's the enemy talking. That's all, because he, he starts to put some stuff in your mind to make you not be as confident in the thing that you once had faith for. What, what do believers, pray, I want to get, pray, what do believers have to do to defend themselves on a daily basis. Number one, you must defend against ridicule. It's coming for you. I don't care who you are, especially when you're doing things well, somebody gonna have something to say. Defend against ridicule. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's plan with ridicule. With ridicule. Look at what Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3 says. It says, when Sanballat, and, uh, excuse me, when Sambalot heard that they were build, uh, rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. I told you about Sambalot and Tobiah in the first week. They were actually Jewish men. They should have been on the side of Nehemiah because they had a right and a claim to the city. They probably had land there, but because they were haters, they didn't want to see Nehemiah rebuild this wall. It says, 
he ridiculed the Jews. Verse 2, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble or those weak Jews doing? He talking about his own people like this. What are those feeble Jews doing? Now he, then, then, then he starts to use sarcasm. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Don't you hate sarcastic people? I hate him in the name of Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. I love them, but they annoy me. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side says, oh, this, this, this dude is, oh, he's hilarious. What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down the wall of their stones. Oh, you, you're a real comedian out here, huh? Deaf comedy jam with this guy. I love this because their enemies ridiculed them about what they were building because they wanted Nehemiah to think that what he was doing was a bad idea. Like, have you ever had a really good idea, but somebody questioned what you were doing so much you began to think it was a bad idea? Yeah, I had a great idea. I'm going to rebuild the wall. I'm going to fortify this city. And God's people, they're going to get courage. They're going to be strong again. What do you think you're doing? You think you're going to rebuild this wall in a day? Bruh. Listen, I got possums in my backyard. If a possum is on that thing like it's on my fist, it's going to fall. Like, they begin to, to, to ridicule him and talk so much trash. And if we're not careful, Christian men and women, we can allow people's question to make us lose confidence in the thing that God has called us to do. Because the only way to stop a God plan is to make you think it's not a good plan. This ain't a new thing. Like, this literally happens in the beginning of the Bible, you know. Flip all the way to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. History proves that from Adam and Eve all the way to the present, the one thing that the enemy can use to stand between you and your destiny is a question. Genesis 3, 1. Did God really say God said, don't eat from the tree. The enemy, did God really say? Like he ain't even had to do much. He didn't have to threaten him, say, if you eat from this tree, I'm gonna kill you. He had to do that. I'm gonna bite you, I'm gonna snake. I'm like Pac-Man, I'm like, he didn't have to do that. Did God, he was probably like real nice about the way he said it too. He wasn't mean. Did God really say it? No. Did God, his voice changed octaves, really say That is all it took for the downfall of humanity. It took a question for sin to enter the entire earth. A question? The enemy wants to start, stop you from your destiny. All he has to start doing is get you to doubt yourself. He's going to throw a, a question at you. Questions are dangerous. I'm not telling you you can't ask God questions. God is not scared 
of your questions. Questions are not dangerous for God. They're actually more dangerous for you when you begin to question who God is. Questions are dangerous. And, 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 and these questions were developed out of criticism. You got to be very careful with criticism because you've heard the saying, misery loves company. We live in a very critical society. I, I was on I, uh, Instagram this week. You know, I, I'm on there now and I'll be seeing what's going on, sending dumb memes and all kinds of stuff. And, and one of my favorite people to follow is a dude named Kev on stage. He's funny. I like comedians, right? So Kev on stage, he posted something on, 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 online this week. And I, I, I was like, I couldn't stop laughing, and I was sad at the same time. You ever had two emotions at once? Like, I was laughing, but I was like, I was like dying on the inside. I was like, I can't believe this is the world we live in. Put, put up that first post. Look, 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 at this, look at the criticism at the top. Somebody posted this. Don't ever share anything that makes you happy on this miserable blank of an app. Right? So this this what the person shared some person shared this and then everybody start going off. Somebody put, my husband and I, like I got to read it in that voice because I feel like. <laughs> my husband and I wake up every morning and bring our coffee out to our garden and sit and talk for hours. <laughs> every morning, it never gets old and we never run out of things to talk to him, love him, so much winky hearts. I love you. <laughs> well, ain't nothing wrong with that. Somebody just express how much they love their husband. I wish more people would express like how much they love their husband and their wife. <laughs> Wives, look at, your, look at your husband right now. Even if he made you mad right before you came in and say, I love you. <laughs> you better love me, girl. Husbands, look at your wives. You probably ain't said it in the last 10 years. Look at that girl and say, I love you, girl. <laughs> Let her know. Can't build strong families without some love in that thing. But she's just expressing the love to the world. Look at the comments. <laughs> Look at this. Don't you guys go to work? <laughs> Who is that? So she responds. She says, well, we do. I own a business and he teaches yoga and is a professional skateboarder. So we work when we want. They entrepreneurs, right? Which uh, uh, is always later in the day. Mornings are sacred around our hearts. They're trying to protect their marriage and have time together. Look, look, look at the hater at the bottom. I hope you know how privileged that sounds. I bet most people have, uh, I bet most people have sacred things, but aren't as lucky. So because they work to develop their own business, now they're lucky? Go, go to the next one. Look at this, look at this. Oh, yeah, I read that one. Go to the next one. No, go back. That's even better. Go back. Go back. Hope you know I present that sounds. I bet most people are saying, uh, things, uh, look at this, doctors, teachers, social workers, and many more. Why are you bringing all them into it? <laughs> next one. Look at this. L-M-A-O, we know what that means. <laughs> Laugh my donkey off, okay. <laughs> Let's all check back in five years. That love part don't last, done it. She just said she likes spending time with her. Go to the next one. 
This behavior cannot be sustained over a long period of time. Plus, I feel like this guy doesn't have a lot going on. Slot, spell right if you're going to criticize me. A lot going on in his life. Oh, and then look at the bottom. Exactly. It's kind of creepy, LOL. I know that's how she said it. Exactly. She didn't even say exactly. Exactly. All right, next. This one made me laugh because this was a person from Miami and I just blotted out their name. That's cool. Some sarcasm guy. I wake up every morning and I fight my way through traffic for an hour in Miami to get to work. Must be nice. That was one of y'all. I know it. Like extreme haters, man. The girl said she liked to get up and spend time having coffee with her husband in the morning. Try spending an hour in Miami traffic. <laughs> Ain't nobody ask you, man. You better get a cafecito and go about your business, bruh. Oh my, I like critics run with critics. Once one person goes, the floodgates open. The, hate, the, the haters are like roaches. They start coming from under the couch. They come from under rocks. They oh, oh, the oh, oh. Haters are so annoying. Like who asked you, man? They hate you because they ain't you. You wish you could wake up and chill with your loved one in the morning and have some coffee instead of rushing in with your lace front flying off to go to work. Stop being a hater. Drink haterade instead of coffee in the morning. What's wrong with you? These people hate, but it's the same thing that they were doing with Nehemiah. They were hating on him because the king allowed him to be free to build. The king made him free to build. These dudes hating. Now, well, yeah, you might be able to build, but that wall ain't going to stand up. But what kind of nonsense is that? Because the king set him free to build. He had haters. Let me tell you something. Your haters don't want to see you live free. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see you operating in your freedom. They don't want to see you living lavish. They don't want your back, your bank account that has zeros. They don't want you to be in good health. They just waiting to see something bad happen to you. There's literally people that all they want to see in your life is your demise because your haters do not want to see you live free. There's people in this room that have come to this church, got saved in this house. You got saved and you told people that you thought loved you and they started to hate on you. So Jesus, King Jesus set me free. I got saved. Now you mad? You, you mad now because of that. Like, you give in church. Oh, why you give your money to that cult? Why you all they, all they going, the pastor going to ride around the Bentley. In case you don't know, I drive a Nissan. <laughs> I ain't driving around on the Bentley and nobody money. Plus, I work. I, I, got, I got another job I, I, outside of this. Like, but because you giving in God's house, because you know that the Lord has blessed you, the haters come. Huh, what they doing with your money? What, 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 what are they doing? You give and they get mad. Oh, you testify they get mad. 
You used to talk about the time we had at the club. Now all you want to do is talk about the times that you went in church and how good worship was. Why you don't want to talk about our turn up no more? Because it is not fun to get so drunk that I don't remember what I was doing, but it is fun to give God praise in his house. One night stands are not fun because you wake up the next morning feeling like trash, but man, I got a long lasting relationship with Jesus and I feel so good because his mercies are not new every single morning they mad at you when you why you always talk about Jesus because you're talking about nonsense I got to talk about things that lift up the atmosphere not bring them down you always testify they, they, they mad at you like shouldn't you be happy Jesus set me free you, you're not happy about that but let me tell you why it's hard for people to celebrate your freedom when they're still in bondage. It's hard, man. Those people, I don't need to know what they do. I don't need to know who they're married to, not married to. I don't even need to know what their day looks like. They are overwhelmed by sadness because they can't be the person that put out that first tweet. Something is going on where they feel unfulfilled and they are jealous of what somebody else has. <laughs> they hate you because they ain't you. So you give people grace when they hate on you. They can't celebrate you. They're still in bondage. Give them grace. Give them mercy. Feel, you should feel sorry for them because they don't have what you have in Christ Jesus. So, so, so Pastor, what do I do then? Like, I can't pop off? Like, how, how do I defend myself against ridicule, Pastor? I mean, I'm from Carol City. I can think of a few things you could do. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 4, 4 through 5 says, Hear us, oh God. He gets the haters. Man, a fox could stand on that wall and the whole thing will break down. He don't even address them. Did you notice that? He just jumps right to a prayer. He doesn't even address them. He says, Hear us, oh God. For we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Some of y'all ain't even know you can pray like this. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, where they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. How does Nehemiah defend himself against ridicule? He attacks it with prayer and trust in God. I wish I had a more eloquent way to say that. But that, that it's like... Don't go have a Twitter war. Oh, I can say whatever I want on Elon Musk's Twitter now. No. Don't go have a Twitter war saying some nonsense, making you sound crazy, and then, and then doing hashtag cool church so they think we all crazy. Don't be doing that. <laughs> hashtag yourself. <laughs> God don't want no parts of that. Putting God, putting God in your unrighteous war. God did. No, he ain't a part of that. Don't, don't, don't put them in that. Don't, don't have Twitter fingers uh, 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 about it. Don't, don't give them the read. Some of y'all be so excited when you can say you read somebody. I gave them the read it. They life child. <laughs> you, you feel good because you made somebody feel bad. Don't, 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 don't do that. You ain't got no time for that. Don't fight. I'll, I'll punch them in the mouth. No. Go to jail. 
Jail's not fun. I don't know and I don't want to know. Like, don't look for revenge. I'm like, oh, if it's the last thing I do. So you're going to waste your time thinking about how to get back at somebody and they ain't even thinking about you? You don't do any of those things. You pray. What do you pray? I will give you the exact words to pray, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44 through 45. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What he's trying to say is pray so that you don't respond like you, so that you respond like me. Pray. Pray. You say, Pastor, that's, that's weak. Like, you don't, know, you don't know what they said to me, man. Like, they tried me. I can't just let that go. Does, doesn't matter what they said to you. Doesn't matter what, what, they, what they did. Listen, if God has put something in your heart to build, it does not matter what they say. It does not matter what they do. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, which means if he wants you to do it, he's going to resource you in spite of what everybody says. This is God. I love Nehemiah. He doesn't waste time fighting his enemies. He prays, and I love what he prays. He literally prays this. God, whatever they said about me, turn it back on them. I love that because he, he didn't even waste time thinking about how he should get revenge. He just said, hey, God, use their negativity against them. Negativity is your enemy's greatest weakness and your greatest strength. Because all you got to do is take whatever they're saying about you and say, God, turn it on now. I, like, I don't have time like, like, like to sit around and waste time thinking about ways for my enemies to meet their demise. I say, Lord, I don't even know what they're saying, but I heard they saying something. Whatever they're saying, put it back on them. And I keep on moving. I keep on doing the thing that God has caused me to do. Let the negativities of your enemies be, do the work of defeating them for you. You pray. Why? Because the result of prayer is greater strength. Nehemiah 4.6. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Look at the resolve of the people. You trying us? We gonna pray and work harder. Work harder. Listen, man, when my enemies say crazy stuff about me, I don't put my energy into getting back at them because the reality is the best revenge is winning. You mad now? I'm going to really make you mad. When I, when, whoo, when I succeed, you think you mad now? I'm going even harder. I'm, I'm going harder because you did not call me to this. God called me to this. Second thing. First, you got to defend against ridicule, but you got to defend against threats. Defend against threats. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your progress with threats. Destroy your progress with threats. Notice when the threats come. The threats don't come to the people until the wall is halfway built. It's interesting that threats come when you're in the middle of something. Where are we right now? We're in the middle of the harvest season. I don't even need to ask you. I know some people right now, you're probably going through your, great, your greatest opposition is probably happening right now. 
You probably came to church today because you're like, God, you better do something today. Because I don't know how much longer I got. I know Pastor T said we need to be, be having some success, but I don't feel successful right now. You probably really feeling the fire right now because you're right in the middle of it. It's always the hottest when you're in the middle. Why? Because the work is half finished. You've made progress, but it's not done. You got somewhere, so it showed the enemy, wait, they actually may pull this off. So I need to deter them before they make any further progress. It, it's it's ex- like, I, I love building and I love that halfway point. Like I always take pictures of all the things that I build and I love seeing that progress. I get excited when I'm halfway, but you also have to be careful not to get too confident and too cocky when you get halfway. Some people see a little bit of success and they don't know how to act. And they don't approach the second half of the building the way they approach the first half of the building because now they bring arrogance to the other half of the building. Humility was the foundation of your building, but you use arrogance to build the rest of it? It's scary in the middle because the threats come from the outside, but you also have to watch what's happening on the inside. See, if the enemy's critiques won't get you, he'll try to threaten you. Look what happened to Nehemiah 4, 7 and 8. But when Sambalot and Tobiah, Tobiah and the Arabs, the, the Ammonites, and all the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that gaps were being closed, they making progress, they were very angry. They got mad because they was making progress. They all plotted together, right, to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against them. So now they had a plan and they Hey, they was, they were not, now it wasn't like, hey, you know, a fox is going to break that down. They're like, man, we're going to kill y'all. We ain't going to let y'all finish this. It, it's not going to happen. I don't care what the king said. Notice, though, that all they had were threats. That's all they had. Empty threats. Because it did not matter what they said out of their mouth. None of them was crazy enough to go against what the king had already decreed and ordered. Not one of them. So they said, if I intensify what I'm saying, then maybe it's going to deter what they're doing. It's like when you're in an argument and you want to take it to the next level, what do you do? You get louder. But you know you ain't going to do nothing. It's like them arguments in school, like, man, I used to go to, I ain't going to say where I went in middle school, but there used to be this thing called the spill out. And there was always a fight in the spill out. And like, you knew the people that was going to fight and the people that wasn't going to fight. Because the people that was going to fight, it ain't take long. They ain't say nothing, it's like. (laughs) The people that wasn't going to fight. Your mama, no, your mama, no, your mama. No, I wish you would. No, I wish you would. And you're just going back and forth. Ain't nobody doing nothing. You lucky he holding me back. Bro, no one's in front of you. (laughs) The only thing between us is area opportunity. That's gone. No, you ain't doing nothing. Because if you was going to do something, you'd have done it already. People made me laugh. Like, they got to take off their shirt. It's like, I ain't got no time to do a costume change before I fight. But that's all they could do. They had to talk because they knew that the king would not allow anybody to come against what he had already decreed. They were 
sanctioned by the king so all the enemy could do was make threats. I went to a, I had the privilege, man, one of my cool church family, brother named Bernard. I love him to death. He's awesome. He took me to a dolphin game. And it was actually my first tailgate experience. I never tailgated. I've been to games. I never, never tailgated. But went to the game. It was fun. And y'all, I, I don't know if y'all remember, but I'm petty. I keep score. I prayed last week for the Dolphins to win. <laughs> the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. I'm just saying we won, y'all. I'm just saying. Now, I ain't going to test God like that too many more times, but we won that game. But I'm at the game, and I'm chilling, and we're behind, like, one of the goalposts. I'm like, man, these great seats. This is good. And, the, uh, and there was some, some season ticket holders there, man. And right next to me was a Pittsburgh Steelers. I rebuked him in the name of Jesus. I was speaking until he didn't even know. I was praying with that. I said, I said, I anointed his chair before he said. It's like, God, please let his life turn around before this game. So we, me and my brother, but no, we had the game, man. We have a good time. Steelers fan next to me. That's a bunch of OG Dolphin fans. And like, these second season ticket holders. They there every game, and you know the OGs because they got like the oldest jerseys on. And they, and like, you know you OG when you got one of the players from the, from the 17 and old Dolphins, the 1972, you know, like my man had on like a Larry, a Larry Zonka jersey. You ain't, some of y'all even know who Larry Zonka is. I have no idea who that is. It, it, no, see, that's why I ain't take you to the game because you're going to ask me if somebody got a slam dunk or not. It was football. It's a whole, that's why you stay, that's why you stay home. So, we were winning. Like, if you watched the first quarter of that game, the other three quarters was like, Lord Jesus, please let us pull this out. But if you watched the first, few, the first quarter of that game, we were destroying them. We were destroying them. And you know, people start getting in their feelings. But the Dolphins fans, we, we were hyped. We were like, first down. You know? <laughs> we was getting hyped. So Dolphins fans, they turn. Ah, ah. Pittsburgh fans, he's salty. So this one, this one, this one, uh, you know, he, he was a season ticket, oh, I mean, OG of OGs, original like gangsta, okay, OG, Zonka jersey, he partying, having a good time. The Steelers fan gets mad. He gets so mad. Why don't you just sit down? <laughs> My man was like. So my man, my man next to me started to get frustrated. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, please don't let the Carol City and me come out. So I'm just, I'm, I'm holding back. I'm like, yo, you telling one human to sit down with everybody in the arena standing up? So the season ticket holder caught on to what he was doing. I mean, this dude, when I tell you the, the vitriol that was coming out of this man, I cannot repeat it. He was like, you mother father. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, go, I was like, like, yo, it's, it's just a game. What was the OG doing? 
He said, how are you going to tell me to sit down? Everybody stand up, man. OG did not care. He, st- he started cracking jokes. He started giving other Steelers fans high five. He's like, mm. <laughs> He said, oh, you want me to sit down? Nah. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just going up. And like, it started to become hilarious. So much so, the Steelers fan, he went from like, I mean, like, we was looking at each other like, yo, it's, it's about to be a fight. It's, it's, about to be, it's about to be crazy. I got hand. I, I do that real quick. It's about to be a fight. It's about to be a fight. <laughs> like this dude was literally turning into an incredible Hulk. You won't like me when I'm angry. No, we won't like you when you're losing. Finally, the OG just, finally this dude huffing and puffing and eventually he huffed and puffed and sat down. Because that OG said, the, the more you get at me, the more I'm going to celebrate this victory. Let me tell you something. Y'all need to start looking at the devil like that. Y'all, y'all need to start looking at the enemy like that. He going to huff. He going to puff. But eventually, he got to sit down. Because he ain't want that smoke. He wanted that. He was surrounded by dog. He was. He really want to see something. He didn't really want to see what would have happened. And I love that the OG set the example. Man, it, it, I was like, I was like extra proud to be a Dolphin in that moment. I was like, I bleed teal and orange. <laughs> You know what I found? The OG taught me something. Threats don't work on people that are seasoned. Hey, let me give a a clue for some of y'all newbies in here. Some of y'all just met Jesus. You need to go up and introduce yourself to one of our season ticket holders sitting up in the stands that has loved Jesus for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Because it's something about the OGs when the devil is huffing and puffing and throwing threats. They just seem so unbothered. They just seem so unworried. They keep praising no matter what threats are coming up on them when they come because the OGs understand something that the devil can threaten them but he cannot touch them because there is no weapon formed against them that shall prosper I wish some of the younger generation would stop being so weak and get some intestinal fortitude just like the OGs and say devil you can threaten me all you want but my team my God my Jesus already gave me the victory so I'm I'm a dance, I'm a sing, I'm a stand, I'm a shout, I'm a jump, I'm a praise, and there is nothing you could do on hell or earth to stop me if you believe it. Say amen. Y'all better make some friends with these OGs, man. Some of y'all young folks, that Twitter was too much for you. They talked about me and I was just trying to be positive. <laughs> Doji's like, I ain't even on Twitter, I don't care. <laughs> and if they come on Facebook, I'll just delete them. <laughs> Doji's ain't got time for it, man. 
like, when are we going to stop being such weak, stinking Christians, man? They talked about me. Now your faith is shattered? You got, he threatened you. He can't kill you. He can read your story. He can't write your story. Like, I wake up to make the devil mad. It's my joy. It is my joy in life. I'm a season ticket holder, and every day all I do is wake up to cheer Jesus on because he did something for me that no one else could do. He won the game for my salvation, so I don't care how mad the devil wants to get at me. I'm a praise every time I got the opportunity. I'm a rub it in his face. Young people, listen to me, man. Listen to me. There is something our parents and our aunts and our uncles and our grandparents figured out a long time ago. You can't get frustrated by every little thing that life throws at you. You have to learn. It's a, oh, it's a simple lesson that I want to just bless somebody with today. You need to learn how to ignore people. If you got nothing else you could leave out the door right now and that would change your life. You ain't, you ain't got to get baited into everything somebody throw out at you, man. Oh, my gosh. You say, all right, that's, that's cool. I need to dance in front of the enemy. No, 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 that's not what I said. <laughs> so I'm going to give you something more practical. How, 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 did, how did Nehemiah defend against these threats? He says, I love this, Nehemiah 4.9, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night. Posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Posted a guard to meet the threat. Spiritually, he prays again. Practically, he posts guard day and night to meet the threat. Some of you need to get on your guard. Watch. Give special attention to. Provide accountability to the areas of your life you feel threatened until you are walking consistently in victory. Put your guard up. Some of you are dealing with the threat of mismanaging finances. Guard yourself with a budget and credit monitoring. That's like it's unreal. That's like real because I know sometimes we get super spiritual. Oh, just pray. Just read your word. All things you should do all the time. As it pertains to your finances, though, if you want to, if you want to be like my credit didn't get better until I start actually paying attention to my credit score. My finances didn't get better till I made a budget. You have a threat in your life of not feeling equipped to your purpose or not feeling smart. You feel like when you walk in, you're not the smartest person in the room. You see all these people talking about all this stuff you know nothing about. You want to guard yourself against that? Guard yourself by watching less and reading more. I know people that'll binge 10 hours on Netflix but won't read their Bible for 10 minutes. Stop binging on something that is not feeding your spirit and start binging in God's word that is life. And if you're not reading God's word, go, just read a stinking book. Like, the only thing stopping you from learning something new is you. How, how they became that, that tech or they, they learned this? Because they studied. They stu- like, 
we talk about Donovan and Morley who had this testimony. I wasn't even going to say this, but I'm thinking about this right now. Donovan's been an amazing plumber forever because he put in the time to learn how to do it. And anytime I got issues, I call him. But, man, he got a job a few months back with an amazing organization doing something that he had to learn how to do on the job. And he just passed his test, and now he's certified in it because he's stuck. Say, man, I just want to learn something new. Like, if you took the hours that you were watching whatever show you're watching and putting it into studying something, how much further along would you be right now? Threats of poor health in your family. My mom had cancer, my dad had cancer, all it just runs in my family. Guard yourself with nutrition and exercise. And check up. Some of y'all, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor. That's why they kill people. That's what I'm saying, where they tell you what's wrong with you. Some of y'all know what's wrong with you because you never go to see what's wrong with you. <laughs> like, go take a visit. It won't get, visiting the doctor won't get, oh, no. I, and then I, I hear when people tell these stories where it's like, you know, they heard it from somewhere, but they never, man, I had an uncle that went in, you know, he, he, he went in to get his ears checked, and he, he, and he, he had a heart attack. When, I'm like, what? It's not even <laughs> No correlation. Go see the doc. Make sure you're good. Guard yourself. Threats of lust. I can't control myself. Guard yourself with an accountability partner. Men, grab a dude. It's like, hey, man, I got this going on. And when I feel them urges, man, you mind if I just reach out to you so maybe we could talk to something and I won't think about it so much no more. Ladies, saying, don't, don't, I'm not just putting this on because ladies is y'all too. Accountability. Somebody you could trust with like your passwords. They can see the nonsense you actually looking at all the doggone time. My wife knows every password there. I, I don't have a thing on my phone that she can't get into. Why? Because she holds me accountable to things in, in, in life. Threats of depression, anxiety, marital issues, divorce. Guard yourself with counseling. I want to say this for the island folks because, you know, my, my folks is island folks, so I, I, I get it. I ain't going to no counselor, man. I ain't telling everybody all the things I just be doing and thing like that. I ain't, I ain't doing that thing. Sometimes you just need an outside perspective. Like, you, you depressed and you ain't talking to nobody? You got anxiety like you ain't talking to, to anybody? Yo, yo, like you on the brink of divorce like tomorrow. Y'all don't think y'all need to go see somebody to talk to? Like guard, guard yourself. Guard yourself. Our prayers do not, listen to me, replace our actions. The, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective, but prayers do not replace their actions. They make our actions effective for God's work. Prayers make your actions effective. Example, I pray that my house is safe, but I watch my cameras and turn my alarm on. God, put a hedge of protection around my house, then I leave the door unlocked. What kind of nonsense is that? I pray my car gets me to where I got to go safely, but I watch and make sure there's gas in the tank. God's supernaturally getting me to Orlando on E. No. 
He's gonna look at you and say, no. Put gas in your car. I pray my daughter is growing up well, but I, I watch her and I spend time with her to see how I can be a better parent to her. I pray, but I still gotta, I gotta actually spend time with my kid. I, I pray that the church grows, but I watch to see how can we help more people every single day? Where are the gaps? What aren't we doing well as a church that we could do better? I'm trying to put things into action systems and things that we can implement and put in place so that we can make sure we take care of the entire family, not just the ones here, but the people that are watching all over the world. I don't want them to feel disconnected because the only way they get to see us is on the screen. Like you could pray for something, but you have to put action to it. We must pray. But it cannot replace the work you must do to stand guard and watch for enemy threats. Amen? And finally, as the band comes, first, you got to defend against ridicule. You got to defend against threats. But finally, you must defend against discouragement and fear. You must defend against it. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your victory with discouragement and fear. Nehemiah 4, 10 through 11. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, now the first two sets of verses I read you, it was the haters talking. You get that, right? These verses that I'm reading to you now, they are not the haters talking. It's not Sambalot and Tobiah. This is actually the people that are building the wall that are saying this. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Verse 11, also our enemy said, now they're quoting what the enemy says to them. They're quoting the threats. Before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. So you know you sanctioned for the king, but now you're reciting what the, the threats that the enemy done said to you? You, you, re, you repeating the enemy's threats to you? Here's what's ironic about all this. It says the people of what? Judah. The people of Judah said this. Do you know what the tribe of Judah was responsible for? This is where, this is where the praise comes from. Judah was responsible for praise. This would be the line that G, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The praise was supposed to come from Judah. But instead of Judah speaking out praise, they were pointing out problems. Judah was supposed to be praising but all they could do is point out problems. How many times has God given you a reason to praise, but all you see is not what's right, but what's wrong? Stop pointing out problems when you should be opening up your mouth to praise. You see, what was happening? The people of Judah, they were getting ridiculed on the outside, 
But discouragement and fear, it attacks you from the inside. It was no longer their enemies threatening and ridiculing. Now it was something on the inside of them that was discouraging them and building up fear in them. See, oftentimes, it's not the enemy from without that kills you, it's the one from within. It's the things from within, the lies that we believe from the enemy that we begin to tell ourselves. You see, look how the enemy wants to discourage you and build fear from the inside. Nehemiah 4.10, meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the labors is giving out. Stop right there. You know what they're saying? We feel weak. You ever said that to yourself? I feel so weak. I feel weak. The enemy wants you. He wants you to believe that you don't have the strength to finish. Look at the next one. And out there, and there is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. You know what they're saying? Look at this mess we're in. Look at this mess. He wants you to think that you're in too much of a mess to get yourself out. Look at this mess. Look at all this rubble, all this burnt rock, this mess. What are we going to do? How are we, gonna, how are we ever going to clean up this mess? Look at the last one. It says, also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We will kill them and put an end to their work. What is the enemy saying that they got them to believe? They're going to catch us by surprise. We're not ready. How many times you told yourself, you ain't step out and do what God called you to do because we're not ready. We're not ready. He wants you to think that you're not ready, you're not equipped, so there's nothing you can do to stop him. That's what he wants to do. Can I encourage somebody? Because I felt like all three of those. Anybody else like me, you don't have to raise your hand. I felt like all three of those at one point or another. And ever so often that stuff comes to plague me, but I got to remind myself, and I want to encourage you, that being weak, being a mess, and not ready are all things God loves to use. Those are the types of people that God is looking to partner with. The ones that feel weak, the ones that think their life is a mess, and the ones that think they are not ready. You are a prime candidate for God to partner with. So what are you talking about? Well, let me just give you Bible. Because 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31 reminds me, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boast, boast in the Lord. I'm so glad that I am weak. I'm so glad that I'm a mess. I'm so glad I'm never ready. But the one thing that I am is submissive to God. I will allow him to use me whatever way he wants to use me in spite of how I feel about myself. Because the reality is it's not about what you think about yourself. It's about God and how he thinks about you.
God's always here to let us know that we are more than what we think we are. He's just looking for somebody that is humble enough to say, God, I ain't got this figured out. My life's kind of crazy. I'm never ready, but I'm willing. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give this thing a chance. And you say, well, Pastor, I, I hear you, man. That sounds good. You read the Bible, so I know it's true to it. But like, how does, how, how is that supposed to help me overcome discouragement and fear? Look at what Nehemiah 4, 13 through 14 says. Therefore, look at the plan Nehemiah comes up with. After, after he heard the discouragement and fear of the people, this is the plan. Therefore, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by the families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, listen to what Nehemiah says. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah kills discouragement and fear by reminding the people who and what they are fighting for. That's how you kill it. Who do we fight for? God and God alone. We fight for God because he is worthy to be praised and in God we know that we always have the victory in Jesus' name. You're not fighting for me. You're not fighting for the person. We are fighting for God. It is a matter of life and death. I'm trying to bring heaven down to earth with every opportunity I get because I want King Jesus to be praised. That's who I'm fighting for. What do we fight for? Our legacy. Our families. Our homes. This is your legacy that we are fighting for. Why are we putting so much into the next generation? Because it's worth fighting for. It's the same thing they built the wall for. It's the same thing they rebuilt the city for. They built it for legacy. Why is that important to know? Why does that encourage you in the fight? Because I found the most passionate fighter in the world is somebody with something to lose. When you got something to lose that you love, you will fight and give your life for it. And this is what Nehemiah wanted to remind the people. So today, I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to have fear because I know the next generation stands in the balance. And as long as I got breath in my lungs and as long as my heart pumps blood, I'm going to fight to see the next generation be better. I want them to grow up in a world where they ain't got to deal with hate on every surface that they look at. I want them to grow up in a world where they can be encouraged, where people will constantly speak life to them, where they know they are children of the Most High God. They are not what the world says that they are, but they are children of God. I want our families to grow. I want your legacies to grow. I want to build your family so that you, your family, and everybody that comes after you in your family will have a legacy of love that points you back to God so that one day when this is all said and done, you will see your entire family back in heaven again.
I believe it. And I fight for it with everything on the inside of me. Because that's what Nehemiah fought for. I'm encouraged because God hadn't brought us this far to lose. And look what it says. Nehemiah 4, 17, 18, it says, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword on his side as he worked. I got my sword today, y'all. So I want to give you a picture here. Got to give you a picture of what they look like at the wall. Got my sword on. Because Nehemiah said, hey, get your sword on your waist like this. And then you got to get your tool in the other. So here's my tool. So this, I'm digging. I wish you would try me. I'm ready. I'm strapped. I got my concealed carry. I'm working, but I got my weapon. I got my sword on my side and my shovel in my hand. That's what they look like. Or maybe they had a stone. They had their sword. They got somebody watching their back, but then they lay their stone. Then they go back and get another one and they laid their stone. They kept working, but they were aware. They had an awareness and, and, a, and a readiness to them to be able to continue the work and finish the work. You say, well, what is that? I, I believe that the sword is very symbolic for you know that the Bible is a, a two-edged sword. This is, this is our weapon at the ready. The word says to hide the word in your heart so that you do not sin against God. Why am I telling you to put more time into your Bible and into Netflix? Because when the enemy attacks you, you need to be ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Sling this thing out whenever I need to. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I rebuke you, enemy, you are underneath my feet. For I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm ready with the word at all times. But though I am ready with the word, I never stop working. I keep my work in my hand. For some of you, it looks like a stone. For some of you, it looks like your pledge. This is how you build it. For some of you, it looks like a stone. For some of you, it literally looks like a shovel. You're going to go back to your construction job and you're just going to keep on digging. How can I affect the kingdom? Man, you don't know who you're working with. They might see how excellent you work. And they were like, man, how, how you so joyous out here? It's hot. Like, son, like, it's hot. Like, how you still happy? Why are you singing praise and worship? Why you, what's, what's, what's going on with you? And when they open up that door, because you have your sword ready, you have an opportunity to tell them something about Jesus. Why? Because you kept working, but you were ready. Maybe, maybe that's not your work. Maybe you like me, you got a microphone in your hand. This is my work. I keep this ready to be able to preach the gospel because I know if I keep doing this work, when the word goes forth, it will not return void. Maybe this is not your work. You say, man, I can never hold a, a microphone. Maybe you hold a scalpel. Maybe you hold a piece of chalk in your hand and a chalkboard. Maybe, maybe your work is in a mail truck. M maybe you hold a pen. Maybe you're meant to write things. Maybe it's a paintbrush. Maybe it's a keyboard. Maybe it's a bass. 
Maybe it's a gavel. Maybe. What I'm trying to tell you is you stay ready with your sword, but you keep working because your work is going to provide opportunities for you to use your sword. No matter what you're doing, I don't care where you are today. If you think you have to preach to preach, you have not heard a word that I have said. Your life, your work, preaches a better sermon than your mouth. Are you glorifying Jesus with what you do on a daily basis? Because that's what's in your hand. You notice the work was in the hand, but the sword was on the ready. It means this has to be ready when you need it, but you always need to have your work in your hand. The thing you're doing every day, the thing that you're skilled at that nobody else is skilled at, whatever you do, you don't do it to give your boss glory, you do it to give God glory. Keep your work in your hand. It might be a camera, might be architectural plans, I don't know. Whatever it is, it might even be wealth. Some of y'all just have a gift to be generous and God has made you wealthy, use it. It might be a ball. A football, a basketball, I don't know. But whatever work is in your hand, God can get glory from it. If you give it all to him, you see, the stones is the work you do on earth to build the kingdom of heaven. And God doesn't want you to just do the work. He wants you to finish the work. But when you have fear, when you get discouraged, you're putting a hold on God's plans. Because you said, we, we built enough. We ain't got enough to keep going. You see, that's where God steps in. When you don't think you have enough to keep going, he says, trust me, I'll push you the rest of the way. Just keep on working. Because the reality is, God doesn't just want you to work. He wants you to finish the work. What am I saying? Enduring is not enough. Working is not, Pastor T, I went to work. That's not good enough. Did you finish the work? Did you finish the work? Because in order to have a victory, you got to finish. You got to finish. Like, if we applied our work ethic to Jesus, then Jesus could not be our Savior. If we apply our work ethic to Jesus, he would not qualify to be our Savior. Jesus, I went to the cross. But did you finish, though? Notice his wording on the cross. It is finished. And I love it because even a death on the cross wasn't the finished work. He still had to go down into hell and take the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He finished the work when he rose again. Some of you think work is enough. It's not enough. You have to finish the work to completion so that God can get all the glory. God gets no glory just from Jesus dying. God only gets the glory because Jesus rose again. Finish the work. You finish the work. Jesus didn't endure the cross. He finished it and defeated death, hell, and the grave for all of eternity. You say, but you don't get it, Pastor. I, I know, man, I'm still, I'm still discouraged. I still got fear. That's why Nehemiah put in a fail-safe in his plan. Nehemiah 4:18, I love this. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. 
say, hey, y'all get your swords and you keep working. But the man with the trumpet, I want him next to me. Why is it important for Nehemiah to have access to the trumpet? Nehemiah 4, 19 through 20. Then I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive. You don't think God knows how hard your work is? God knows. And we're spread out. We're all in here together now, but tomorrow we all gonna go to different places. And the work of the Lord for all of us is gonna be spread far out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. I love this verse 20. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. What did Nehemiah realize? People working and they tired and they want to see this thing come to fruition. And Nehemiah was like, man, I know they spread out and I know they tired and I know they're discouraged, but I want to give them a sound. A sound that they can recognize to know the fight is on and we're going to get a victory. You see, they needed something that would not only bring the people together, but would bring God to the fight. You hear it? The trumpet didn't just bring people together. The Bible says when the trumpet is blown, that they would join us there and our God will fight for us. Church, may we never forget in all our work as we build that we have a sound. We have a battle cry that encourages our spirits and invokes the actions of God. God's sitting on his throne like this, but when we make that sound, he says, what's going on, son? What, what's going on? Oh, you, you did all you could do? You, you need me to step in right now? Oh, I, I've been waiting to step into your life for a long time. I've been waiting to get in there and fight this battle for you because you've been fighting so hard by yourself and you don't have to. All I need you to do is make a sound. It's a sound that we have as believers, but it's not just a sound, it's a war cry. But even that, it's not enough to describe what it is because it's not just a war cry, y'all. When you got nothing else, you got a name. You got a name. But the Bible says in Philippians 2, 9, 11, it says, God exalted him to the highest places and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When you are in trouble, when you feel weak, when you feel surrounded, when you don't know what else to do, when you feel like the enemy has the upper hand, when you're depressed, when you got anxiety, when you're scared, when there's fear, all you gotta do is blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, call on the name of Jesus and all of heaven will begin to move in your favor and God will fight for us and give us victory in the name of Jesus. I don't know why y'all so passive right now. It's because you've never tried to invoke that name. 
You keep taking blows to the face when all you got to do is open up your mouth and call on that name that is above every name. The name that demons shudder in fear and terror for. The name that the devil must run from. The name that your anxiety has to flee from. The name that your depression has to bow down to. The name that your marriage must submit to. The name that your children have to respect. The name that your haters gotta turn and run in the other direction. It's that name above any other name. And I don't know about you, but I just wanna take a moment to open up my mouth and confess that one name. It is the name of Jesus. The name that makes the darkness tremble. The name that makes things run in fear. It is Jesus. got nothing left you got Jesus you're scared you got Jesus you got no hope you got Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed you in this place today and you say God maybe you feel like Judah God I'm weak but God, you, you see all this mess? How, I can't get myself out of this mess. You say, God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. God's response to you is, you don't have to be ready. You don't have to clean up your own mess. And where you are weak, I am strong. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you are saved. The enemy cannot touch you. You have overcome and you are victorious in Jesus' name. So I'm not asking you if you need prayer for health. I'm not asking you if you need prayer for your finances or for your children. I'm asking you, is there anybody out there that needs Jesus now more than ever? Because you can't be saved without Jesus. You can't have victory without Jesus. You can't live a prosperous life without Jesus. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that you might have life and life more abundantly. If you want to walk in the abundant life, there's one name. There's one name that we as all Christians, when we hear it, we band together. And there is one name when we say it, we know we already have victory. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've never said it, or maybe you have, but you've been running for a long time. It's time to declare his name one more time. It's time to come home. Count of three, you need Jesus in your life. You want to declare him as Lord. Count of three, don't look around. It's just you and Jesus. Listen, don't believe a lie of the enemy that you're weak. Don't believe a lie of the enemy that you're not ready. Don't believe a lie of the enemy that you're in too big of a mess. Jesus can pull you out of all those things. Count of three. If you want that, I want you to raise your hand without anybody looking around. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Don't be scared about it. I see you and 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 you 
and you. I said all those you so you know that you are not alone. People, eyes still closed. If your hands up, stand up. If your hands up, stand up. Stop being scared. Don't be scary, man. That's what they, hey, the enemy wants you to doubt. He wants you to start asking that question. Did he really say? Yes, he did. He said, call on my name and you will be saved. If you're standing and, and you're standing because you're making that decision, right now I want you to come down to this altar. Come, 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 come. Don't be scared. You already did the hard part. Come, 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 come. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. There's no other name that can save you. My name can't save you. Your wife's name can't save you. Your girlfriend, your husband, your kids, they can't save you. But the name of Jesus. Come, come. proud of y'all man but heaven oh god you can see what was happening in heaven right now i don't want y'all to think y'all alone like you might be out there it's like yeah i really want to come down but i'm still scared stop letting the enemy lie to you look at your neighbor right now say hey if you're scared i'll go with you if they say yeah just grab them by the hand and walk them down i just want to make sure i want to make sure man the presence of god is in this place today jesus 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 here we go five come on right now four three Two, one, good. Reach your hands towards your family. If you're out there, reach your hands. If y'all down here, maybe you reach your hands up. Say why? Surrender, man, to Jesus. He's the only one that can save you, not me. I want everybody here or online to say this prayer, but don't just say it with your mouth, mean it with your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. Not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, man. Don't go nowhere yet. If you said that prayer, for the first time or the first time in a long time, but you meant it right here. The Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. I can't open up the ceiling and show you what they're doing, but they they going on. Like God is literally up off his throne. Like he two-stepping harder than you could ever imagine. Angels going off. I can't show you that. I can help you know what it sounds like. Family, y'all gonna help, help them hear what heaven sounds like right now? They about to cheer for you louder than I was screaming at that dolphin game last week. I promise you that. And help me out. I'm watching you, Stefan. You're trying to make me miss. I'm from Carroll City. I got hands. I keep telling y'all. I want to give y'all this gift. There's a Bible in here, a WWJD bracelet, and a letter from me and Pastor Joe and some other cool stuff for you. You'll get that when you see that sign right there. It says, Welcome to the Family. That's what y'all are. They're just going to walk you out to the courtyard. They're not getting raptured. They're not getting indoctrinated into a cult. You'll find them in the courtyard, okay? Um, and if you got questions about what happened, 
our family there will be open to any questions you got. We ain't scared of your questions. Let me say this. Do we have all the answers? No. Jesus does. So the ones we got, we're going to give. If we ain't got it, we'll look at God's word and we'll come back to you. All right? We're going to try to answer your questions. Um, but they're going to cheer. Y'all ready? So on the count of three, they're going to cheer. Y'all going to walk. All right? You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know. Let them know God loves them. Let them know they're brothers and sisters. Let them know they're family. Let them know they are sons and daughters of the Most High God. While we lift up the one name that matters most. Come on. Singing Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear. Everybody sing. Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. We sing the name Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.